Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I bring greetings uh, from Nietzsche's Outreach Center uh, to my brethren, my beloved brethren at Farm Street. I greet our host pastor, Pastor Doreen, and her dear beloved husband, Minister John. Greet the leadership team. Uh, praise the Lord. I greet Paulette, our moderator. Uh, greetings, brethren, in Jesus' name. It is uh, an absolute joy uh, to be with you today. It seems that it's been a long, long time that I've been in service with my brethren at Farm Street. And as you know, before I went to Derby, I was stationed at Farm Street Church. But today, we're going to look at God's word, at least what God has dropped in my spirit, that I would release it. Uh, hopefully, it will be a blessing uh, to your heart. As you know, I'm somebody that loves God uh, with all my heart, and I want to serve him with everything that I have within me. And our topic before us is the power of prayer in restoration. And I was thinking as we have been going in this service, there was a time when the temple of Israel was built. It was magnificent. It was built under Solomon. When that temple was destroyed under King Nebuchadnezzar, the temple then was rebuilt or the, called the second temple. When that temple was finished, there was a great celebration and there was a great noise. And in that great celebration, there was also men that were weeping, and they were really weeping hard. And there was a query made of what, what is this noise? Because it should be that the, the temple has been remade, it's been restored, uh, but yet men are weeping and they, they were finding out. And they went and talked to them, and these men uh, said, we remember the first temple. And they compared the, the second temple that was built. And they said, in comparison, it, it is not as glorious as the first temple that Solomon built. And so when we look at this idea of prayer and restoration, we need to really ask God to open our hearts to understand what are, being, what are we being restored to? Because I feel and I, I've seen, um, of course, I've been ministering now for many, many years. And I want to make sure that if my life is being restored, it's been restored to what God wants it to be. And when we think about the prayer, the power of prayer in restoration, uh, first we have to have a good understanding of what God is restoring us to. And what the Lord wants to restore us to is a glorious church. Hallelujah without spot, without wrinkle, or without any such thing. And therefore, as we look at the power of prayer in restoration, we want God to open our heart to, to know God, uh, the perfect picture of what we need to be restored into. Because if we don't, then through the restoration process, we will be satisfied at something less than what God wants us to be. And Paul had opened up with a scripture of Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And I want to concentrate on that last part, continuing instant in prayer. The first challenge I want to give is prayer cannot be done by proxy. Prayer cannot be done by proxy. In other words, what am I saying? Our pastor, Pastor Doreen, she cannot pray the prayers for all the members of Farm Street Church. And you and me, as believers of the Lord, we cannot be satisfied with allowing somebody else to pray the prayers that we should be praying. 
We cannot allow that somebody else is, is taking the time to, to seek God and call upon his name. And we are depending on their prayers. We cannot do prayer by proxy. Our pastor might be a wonderful prayer warrior. Our prayer team, intercessory prayer team, like that wonderful prayer that Sister Sophie just prayed. Amen. We cannot just rely on other people praying our prayers. We need to be involved in praying, instant in praying. We need to take the time, hallelujah, to separate that time to seek God in prayer. There's something else I want to deposit from Proverbs 28 and verse 9. And this is to do with our prayer life. And, and I'll be dealing with this as we go along today. Here, the scripture ties my prayer life to how I respond to the word of God. You see, our prayer life is not something that is independent of our Christian living. Our prayer life is not then just an add-on or something that, you know, you can choose to do or not to do. Jesus said, when you pray. So Proverbs 28, 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from the hearing of the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Wow, that's, that's strong stuff. We're talking about the power of prayer to restore. But there needs to be a position in my heart when I pray. The disposition of my heart or the setting of my heart needs to be that which God will honor. And God will receive. And here, Proverbs 28, 9, he's telling me that if I turn away from the word of God, then even when I'm making my prayers unto God, then my prayer becomes an abomination. Abomination is something that God detests. It's something that, that God refuses to accept. That, that seems strange. But here God's word says this is clear. That even my living, I am constantly rejecting the convicting of God's word in my spirit. And I'm constantly not putting myself in that place to hear the word of God. But actually, I'm turning away from it. Then when the time that I get to pray, God says that prayer becomes an abomination to him. Something God will not receive. Psalm 66, 18 says a very similar thing. If I regard iniquity, that's the King James or another translation would say. If I do not confess sin that's in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, brethren, as we think about the power of prayer in restoration, we must absolutely need to think about how our heart is connecting to the word of God. How are we responding to God's word? In Proverbs 15 and verse 8, the Bible says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. Now, when it speaks sacrifice, it's not speaking about those like um, the prophets of Baal and go, going to sacrifice in the Philistine temples and, and so forth. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people that come to God's house and do great sacrifices. And our sacrifices might be uh, the finance that we give to the church. But if our heart is not set right, then the sacrifice that people are doing in God's name, that is an abomination to God. But here it carried on, and the point I want to bless us with today. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Hallelujah. The prayer of the upright is God's delight. 
Isn't it an absolute privilege that God has given to us the gift of prayer? The gift of prayer. That I don't have to rely on other people praying my prayers, but I can receive that gift. Hallelujah. And in prayer, come before the Lord. Hallelujah. The prayer of the upright is his delight. God absolutely loves, loves, praise the Lord, loves it when we as his people come before him in prayer. Whether that is when we gather as a congregation or whether that is when we're in our secret closet, in our bedroom at home, God delights when we lift up our prayer before him. The reason of this is that our prayer gives God the legitimate right to intervene in our personal and church circumstances. Gives the legitimate right that in our prayer, God hears and delights in that prayer. Hallelujah. And will respond as we come before his throne of grace. This area of prayer and praying constant shouldn't be something that's that's selfish in motive. If, if we have, if I'm somebody that's all the time, I just pray for myself, 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 myself. That's a very selfish way of praying. But I want us to reflect on a scripture, if I might. First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. Saul asked Samuel the question before this. He said, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Saul was a, the king of Israel. He said, Samuel, will you pray for me? And this is how Samuel responded. And I, and I wonder, when we speak about the power of prayer through transformation, but knowing what it really means to change, to change us for the better, to change us from glory to glory, hallelujah, to change us more into the reflection, hallelujah, of Christ. So 1 Samuel 12, 23 Samuel responded to Saul's question. And he says, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. What a response from Samuel's heart when the question, will you pray for me? Samuel took prayer more than a duty. And if I asked us today, how do we see prayer? Do we see prayer as something spiritual or something religious? Do we see prayer as something sacred or something that's a mere duty to do? But Samuel here, he, he says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Hallelujah. You see, Samuel really understood that God hears prayer. He understood that in prayer, change happens because we invite God, hallelujah, legitimately, praise the Lord, to enter into our circumstances, hallelujah, and to raise us up from the place that we are in to a better place. But look how his heart was. Imagine hearing him, God forbid that I should sin. This is how strongly Samuel felt when it comes to lifting and bringing up his brethren before the Lord in prayer. 
And we get the same emphasis in the New Testament. In Colossians 4, verse 12, Epaphras, he is the disciple, one that walked with Paul. And here the scripture says, so Colossians 4, 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you. And listen to what he said here. Always laboring fervently for, in prayers for you, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So we must speak about the power of prayer in restoration, to restore, to be restored. We, we need, brethren, we need the whole church to be involved in prayer. We need the whole church to understand that this is not just somebody else's responsibility. This is not left up to other people. This is something we are all as members of the body of Christ to be involved in. And he said he labored fervently for prayers. I wonder how fervent our prayer life is. I wonder how passionate we come before the Lord in prayer. Has prayer been relegated to just a, a religious position? It's something that religious people do. Or is prayer something that is vibrant, hallelujah, important to us? Amen. Knowing that God hears and answers us when we pray. Paul felt this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, verse 11, wherefore also we pray. Now this we is you and me, brethren. The power of prayer for restoration. We pray. Wherefore also we pray. How often? Always praise the Lord for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. This whole emphasis of the power of prayer through restoration is to, is to bring the will of God intimately into our lives, both in our homes and in our church. To be restored in prayer then is not to look at the facade that sometimes we see or the, the pantomime that sometimes we see uh, bringing the name of Christian or the name of Jesus. But actually to be restored is to be restored unto the living Christ. Hallelujah. That we would be walking and abiding in him and in his will. Hallelujah. Fulfilling. Hallelujah. The call, the mandate and the purpose that God has for us as his people. And I want to encourage us in the time that I have a simple acronym for pray. I'm going to take each of those letters pray and just and just encourage you. The power of prayer is recognized all throughout scripture. It's recognized all throughout the, the life of the church in the history of the church. That when we set our faces towards God to seek his face, that God will hear our prayer. There's many examples of this. You could look at Nehemiah. When he heard about the, the, the walls were not built around Jerusalem and how that the enemies had free course to go in and out, even though they had started rebuilding the temple. But he prayed and sought God. And God heard his prayer and eventually released him that he would go back 
and help build the walls around Jerusalem. You see, prayer for restoration, you have to first have, have a reason to pray. Something needs to become alive in your heart and alive in your spirit. And so when we look at pray, I want to use the P of that prayer to prepare. So when we think about the power of prayer in restoration, I want to think about the preparation that we should make in relation to prayer. Prayer is not something that we should just, it should just fall at the very end of the subject or our life or our circumstances. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, David went to pray. He went to build an altar unto the Lord. And so he went to Aruna or Aruna's threshing floor. We, we know this account, probably many of us do very well. So 2 Samuel 24, so from verse 22 to 28, but I'm going to concentrate on verse 24. So David comes to, to pray. He comes to build an altar. And Aruna sees him coming. And Aruna says, well, why have you come to my place? And David told him why. And Aruna said, ah, oh, I'm going to help you, David. He said, I'm going to give you everything you possibly need to build your altar and make your prayers unto the Lord. I'm going to give you the, the area, the field. I'm going to give you the sheep, the sacrifices. I'm going to give you everything free of charge. Now, I want to listen to David's response in verse 24 of 2 Samuel 24. And the king said unto Aruna, no, no. You are prepared to give me everything for me to come and pray before God. David said, no. He says, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen with 50 shekels of silver. And then he built the altar and God heard his prayer and delivered Israel from the famine that was in the land. I wonder in our prayer life, would we say the same as David? That when our pastor or our ministers want to do absolutely everything for us, that we would say, no, no, I'm going to bring my prayer before the Lord. You can certainly join me, pastor and minister. You can certainly support me. You can certainly come alongside me. But I will bring my prayer unto the Lord. For when I do come before God, I won't do something that costs me nothing. I'm not prepared to live like that. And brethren, there, there are too many people prepared to live in, in the stream of prayer, to do nothing that it cost them nothing and allow everybody else to do everything. But may we, like David, say, no, <laughs> praise the Lord. I will do my part. Amen. The prayer that I need to pray, I will pray. And the cost that it will give to me, I will pay it. Coming back to the opening of this message today. If something needs to change in my life, if I need to give up something, if I need to be repositioned, I will do that. Hallelujah. Because I want restoration to happen. I want restoration to come. 
I don't want it to be just a dream. I don't want it to be something that we I talk about and or just wish for. But I will do those things that are necessary for that restoration to happen. And prayer is the subject that what we are talking about today. If my prayer life needs reviving, then let it be revived. If the time I need to pray needs to be increased, let it increase. But I will do what I need to do. I will not accept the offerings of others that my prayer life will cost me nothing. Just prepare, praise the Lord. When it comes to the power of prayer, make sure we have prepared ourselves. Make sure we have done that which we need to do. Put off that which we need to put off and put on that which we need to put on. Clothing ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we've prepared, we'll go into R of pray, the acronym PR. And that is for rejoice. And if you look at Luke 11, the disciples came to Jesus from verse 1 and says, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And in verse 2, it says, and Jesus said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Praise the Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. And so part of our prayer life then is to rejoice. Because rejoicing magnifies God. Rejoicing allows our spirit to be open to the greatness of who God is. Rejoicing causes us to understand, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. And to recognize and to be thankful. And so Jesus speaks that the first part of the prayer that our father recognizing who God is, that he is the enabling God, that he is the all-sufficient God, that he is the one who looks after us in everything, as Paul it encouraged us, and as the song, the worship songs, have encouraged us today. So in our prayers, let us come before God, not, not, not as people of, of doubt and fear and, and unbelief, or people who do not have a hope, or people that are, haven't got a sure foundation, but let us come to God rejoicing, hallelujah. As that old song said, I'm rejoicing night and day. Praise the Lord. So to rejoice in our prayer, amen, to lift up, to magnify the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is what, when it comes to the power of prayer and restoration, part of that is knowing who God is. Hallelujah. And releasing that praise into the atmosphere, that God hears our voice, hallelujah, as we bless and worship him. P-R-A, the A for ask. 1 John 5 and 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him. And so after we've gone in our time of preparation and then in our prayer, our time of rejoicing, now is the time that we give our petition, our asks. And can I encourage us that there is nothing too big or too small that we cannot ask God about? 
Hallelujah. Prayer is that simple communication to God that opens up that avenue for the power of God to come and enter into our lives, both at home and in our church. And here, John, 1 John 5, 15, if we know that he hears us, now in our prayer, we are asking according to the will of God. We are asking because we are the children of God. We are asking because our heart is moved by the spirit of God. We are asking because we have meditated and reflected on the word of God. And so John was encouraging us today. And if we know that God hears us, whatsoever we ask. So if you believe, if you don't believe that God hears when you pray, don't pray. Don't, there's no point. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let me speak about the power of prayer then in restoration is knowing that God is and knowing that God can and knowing that God will. And so John says, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have a petition, hallelujah, that we desired of him. Brethren, encouraging us when we speak about prayer, not just to have it as a, as a topic or a subject, but it's, it's a doing thing. It's something that we do, hallelujah, and I'm encouraging us to continue to do. And so that's when we get to the why of pray, that's to yield. And yield means to hear God, to, to, to be sensitive that when we have prayed, that we allow God to, to speak to us. Because prayer is a two-way thing. It's not just me, talk, 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 talk. But I'm going to wait upon God. And I'm going to wait and hear God's response. And I'm going to yield to God's answer. Hallelujah. I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender to the will of God, to the word of God. I'm going to say, like the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. I'm going to yield to that. I'm not going to try and put my will, even if sometimes I feel differently. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus felt differently. Jesus prayed three times. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he ended up unyielding, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so part of my encouragement of our prayer today, the prayer, the power of prayer through restoration, is to know to yield to what God is doing. Not, not to be fighting against what God is doing. Not to be trying to change God's mind for a different decision, but to yield. Once we have given our request, our petition, our intercession, then to yield and let God have his way. And so in Romans chapter 6, from verse 12, Paul said, Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that it should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Praise the Lord. Yield ourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall have, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And so in the power of prayer in restoration, 
It is to prepare ourselves. It is to come not with a haunty or a prideful or a covetous spirit before God, but prepare ourselves. If there's something that needs to be dealt with, deal with it. And then it's to rejoice in the presence of God. Rejoice in his presence. Find that place of rejoicing. Find that place when, when flow, praise flows, not, not mechanically, not, not by the numbers. Oh, I need to praise God for this, so I praise God for this. Oh, I need to praise God for that. Oh, I forgot about this. And it, not, not that kind of praise, hallelujah, but praise that just flows from your spirit, hallelujah, unto God. And then as you go through that point of praise, then we open up with our petition unto God. And then we yield to what God is doing amongst us. Brethren, there is power in prayer. And it's not because prayer of itself has got anything special in it. It's because of God who we are praying to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God who we are speaking to. He is the living God, the everlasting God, the mighty God, the shepherd of his people. And we opened up with a first scripture. He, God, he delights in the prayer of his people. So can I encourage you, brethren? Don't stay in a place of lukewarmness. Don't stay in the place of just getting by. But pursue God in prayer. Hallelujah. Seek him in prayer. And hear the word of God said, if you seek him with all your heart, you shall find him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So brethren, as we think today, the power of prayer in restoration. We come before God in prayer. Knowing that God, it is unto you because you alone are able to make a difference. You alone are able to make that change. And we recognize that. And so our prayer gives God that legitimate access to make a change in our personal life and a change in our church. May God bless us, hallelujah, in our prayer life. That our prayer life will not be one that's held in a religious nature, but rather it'll be a spiritual discipline that we understand that is a sacred time to come before the Lord. And we will refuse to allow somebody to make our prayers for us. God richly bless you, church. And I'm just going to pray at this time if I can. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And as we come before you today, we thank you for this time. This time that we count as sacred and we devote to you. We thank you for the word that's been spoken, the scriptures that have been read. We thank you, God, for the encouragement that your spirit speaks into our hearts. And as we reflect on our prayer life, oh God. We pray that you would give us the strength that we will refuse to serve you with nothing. 
that we will refuse to allow other people to pray the prayers we should be praying. But, oh God, we would know that as you hear our prayer, you transform our lives. So help us, oh God, that as we have looked today at preparing ourselves before we come into your presence, and in your presence we will acknowledge and rejoice in you, for you are the God of our salvation. You are the rock upon which we stand. You are the reason of our existence. Lord, as we make our request to you, let that nobody feel intimidated or fearful about how or what needs to be said or what needs to be brought to you. But God, for you care about everything to do with our lives. And if you see two sparrows and one of them doesn't fall to the ground without you knowing, how much more do you care for us as your people? And so I pray, Lord, as we have considered the power of prayer, in restoration, that we would yield, God, to what you do and what you respond as we call upon your name. And so I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that every single one of us would be encouraged, Lord, encouraged by the hearing of your word to seek your face, knowing, God, that we give you the legitimate authority to enter into our life, both at home and in church, and making a real measurable, substantial difference, hallelujah, in the life that we live. So bless my brethren, Lord, at Farm Street. Bless the pastor, the pastoral team, the ministers, the leaders, and every member. Father, I pray your blessing over your house, over your people, and that we would be a people that would seek your face in prayer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, brethren, and I hand over to Sister Paulette at this time.